0: If you find this show valuable, please subscribe and share it so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, Genius Leader, it's time for number two out of nine replays now in the end of the year. Last week, we looked at the mind shift on how to find a better attitude towards our to-do list. Today, let's continue with that, but more with the practical advice. So, when you have started looking at your to-do list in a different way, it's time to organize, or maybe not. So, this episode is about the maybe not thing. Enjoy, and see you on the other side. Hey, genius leader! welcome to another solo episode that will definitely change your mind End your life so that you're less overwhelmed and you feel more empowered and more in control of the things that really matter to you in your life. Mind you, I'm not saying being completely in control of your life because things happen in between, things are out of our control. It's not always we who decide, unfortunately. But with this tool that we'll be talking about today, you will be able to prioritize things and to. Really take care of the things that matter to you most to keep your values front and center so that you really are impactful with whatever you do for the quality of your life and for the happiness of your own and the people around you. So, a good thing to do before this episode would be to listen to the previous solo episode, 50 Shades of No. I'll link to it in the show notes so that you can do that in an easy way. And that is because that will be another mind shift that you will need to implement and use from your toolbox together with the tool that we're talking about today so that they really make a huge impact and difference in your life. So before we go into the tool, let's set the scene. My generation, millennials, have learned that you can do everything you want in your life. You can become whoever you want and you can achieve whatever you want. All these success stories of going from nothing to being successful entrepreneurs, leaders, uh, global citizens, or people in the government, whatever it is, those stories are just everywhere. Our auntie and everyone and granny, they're all talking about those things right now. And that's amazing. Let me not say it has been better before. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that those opportunities come with a cost. Everything in this life has trade-offs, right? And the cost for our generation and the generations that are coming after us has been so far the overwhelm by all these opportunities and the lack of the tools and practices to use to actually get out of the overwhelm and understand how can I actually use all these opportunities for myself and stay sane on that damn journey? And that's where it has gone a bit overboard with us trying to organize everything we have systems for productivity both personally and professionally we track everything and we just have a lot of data and we try to take our make our, uh, our choices and take decisions based on that data but the challenge is no matter how well you organize your life if it has too much stuff it's still too much stuff well organized and this is not i'm not inventing this i listened recently to a podcast of the mel robbins show Uh, With a guest, Dana White, the author of the blog "A Slob Comes Clean," and she has been talking about this uh, concept, and it absolutely like made sense to me and put ideas and thoughts that I had and reflections that I had from uh, work with my clients into beautiful words that are super simple to understand. So that's what I'm talking about. What we can do instead of organizing or before organizing, I am retelling you the highlights of that show with Dana White, which I'll also link in the show notes. Highly recommend that one because she goes into depth of the steps that you need to do. But we're talking about the mind shift itself or the concept of that organizing is not going to help you and you'll just keep failing. So when you have too much things, no matter how good your system is for organizing that stuff, it's still too much. And the thing is, this threshold of becoming too much for our tasks, for our things in our physical space, and so on, is very personal. Each of you has a unique threshold for what is too much. And even more than that, that threshold can be dynamic and flexible for you as well. So it's not like you, or let's say me as a person, Anna, I have my threshold, and it's always the same for me throughout my life. No, depending on how much is going on in my life, maybe it's depending on my health. Conditions in the n- dynamic of uh, within my family, the war in my home country, and so on and so forth, it can lower my threshold. Or sometimes it can actually, some, some things can boost my threshold and, and make it higher so that I can actually tolerate more things on my plate before it becomes overwhelming and stressful. So, this is the first thing that I want you to really take from today's episode. Take a pause and think about it. Am I? trying to organize things to take myself out of the overwhelm, while what I need to do is actually declutter. This is what Dana White is doing in her work. She's helping people declutter. And she mainly talks about the physical space. So for example, she helps people uh, get their houses uh, less uh, messy and more organized. And that's what she's saying. When you have too much stuff, it's difficult to organize it. And she uses those containers as the idea of it is a space to contain certain amount of things. And when I try to stuff more into there, it's difficult to organize it because the container is not used in the right way. And that's the same that we should do with our energy and our tasks in our lives and even our hobbies. I see that a lot nowadays here in Iceland. And I, I will maybe sound a bit too negative, but um, listen and let's wrap it up in a positive way. I See a lot of families of my age who are parents to three kids, and then they have this curse of knowing that they can do whatever they want in their life. They can be whoever they want in their lives, meaning they want to do that for their kids as well by bringing them to three different sections, each of the kids. So they do different sports and hobbies. So those three kids times three different sports. Even if it's the same sports, it's usually different birth years, so different times of the training. You suddenly become a personal chauffeur to your family. Uh, You still have your full-time job. You still want to train yourself three, four, five times per week. You maybe want to have some quality time with your husband. You maybe want to preserve some relationships outside of your family, meaning meeting your friends now and then. You still want to travel and so on and so forth. And just talking about that, I get stressed. The thing is, we have taken too much on us. And too many possibilities is not always a good thing. We need to clean up and understand what of all this, what which of out of all these opportunities are actually healthy for us and which should we focus our limited capacities on for ourselves to be happy. And I think this criticism of mine of Icelandic families. I'll take that as the um, example for the tool that we'll be talking about today with how to apply it in those situations. Just because some of you genius leaders who are listening, you, you are uh, self-employed and you run businesses, or you are in employment and you have someone else. So not all of these steps you can use at the same level. So I'll give you examples both from professional and personal life with this situation that I'm observing in the Icelandic society nowadays. So to summarize the first part what I'll be talking about, you should stop trying to organize everything that you have on your plate if it's too much that is on your plate. And the thing is, if you peel away the things from your plate, if you take them out of your plate, it doesn't mean that they're out of there forever. But to start thinking clearly, to generate energy for yourself, to get yourself out of overwhelm, it's good to get down to that threshold of ours, that, that of yours particular, right now, so that you can actually get the energy to be able to th- think straight, to prioritize in a better way, and so on and so forth. And then gradually, the more energy you get, the more things you can add to your plate, but in an intentional way. So, how on earth can we declutter when it comes to tasks and thoughts? If you have listened to me before, you know that I'm a big proponent of talking about energy and time management together. So not only do we need to manage our time, we also should pay attention to managing our energy. So the method that we'll be talking about today, apply it not only to the tasks of yours, but also to the thoughts of yours. If any of your thoughts are taking energy from you, you should go through this filter of ADOD that we'll be talking about to see whether those thoughts can be acted upon. So, ADOD is an acronym that I learned from one of the coaches I worked with a couple of years back, Kelly Roach, and it stands for uh, for automate, delegate, outsource, and delete. This is the way I want you to start decluttering your life, not with the physical objects, but with the tasks and thoughts. Again, ADOD stands for automate, delegate, outsource, and delete. I don't know whether Kelly has come up with this herself or she um, took it from someone else. There are many of these similar methods to declutter and to reprioritize our things. I just use this one because this was the first time I had to do it very thoroughly in her program. So this is the tool or the method you can use whenever you need to declutter. And a good way of starting before you go into each of these actions, automation, delegation, outsourcing, and deletion, is to create a brain dump or use one that you already have. As in, taking all the thoughts of ideas of tasks you need to do, thoughts that really occupy your mind and so on. You just dump them all out of your brain onto the paper, which is a very powerful tool by itself. Just last week, I did another corporate training on time and energy management, and this was one of the exercises, the brain dump. And people were so surprised how it was helping them to understand their overwhelm better. And also, just by looking at this whole list in one place, outside of their mind, it was easier for them to prioritize, to start peeling away some of those tasks and understand, okay, this can be paused and parked for later, this I don't need to do anymore, this is very important, I didn't even think about it, and so on and so forth. So take a moment to create a brain dump. You can start by just spending five, seven minutes and write, writing out a list of all the to-dos that are buzzing, like those annoying mosquitoes in your head, and get them out, and then let's start ADODing them. So decluttering your life and your mind so that it becomes easier to handle whatever comes your way. So I'll give you a couple of examples now of, out of, like of each of the actions. And I'm trying to do that both from the professional life and personal life, just so that you can see that this method is very applicable to whichever part of your life you take. And then we'll go into the rule of thumb for those on in which order to do them. So if we talk about automations, A simple example of automation is email filters. If you're overwhelmed by your inbox or if you feel like you're missing important emails uh, all the time and stuff like that, create filters that will put the particular emails, whether it's topic-based or whether it's depending on who is the sender of the email, in specific folders so that it becomes easier for you to open your inbox and see what needs your attention right away. I have those automations for putting some things that I don't want to read, but I want to be able to refer to some of the reports, for example, and stuff like that for my investments and and, uh, things. I put them in in the respective folders and I mark them unread directly so that they are there, they are stored, but I don't need to take active action on that. I also put things in the folders that do require my attention, for example. Now I do it less because I have a very small team, but back in the corporate i would filter the emails from the key stakeholders that are on of the projects that i worked on in a specific folder and that was the first folder i looked into uh, when i checked my inbox and i knew that okay if nothing is happening in there it's all good so i managed my energy by that and my focus by by that simple action so this is a, a work related uh, automation example if we talk about both. So there's something that can be used in both personal and professional life. Recurring blocks in your calendar is another example of, of an automation. If you, for example, have a lot of meetings in the workplace where you work, that's another topic here as well, how to minimize those and, and lower that to stay effective in the collaboration. And I do trainings on that, uh, but it's another topic. What you can do to Make sure you always have time for your individual work to really prepare for the meetings that matter and to get your work done that is not of a collaborative nature. You can put those recurring blocks of individual work in your calendar so that it happens. And whenever there is an invitation, for example, a meeting invitation that collides with that, you then need to take an active decision of either rescheduling your individual work or asking to reschedule the collaborative meeting so that that block is happening so it's easier to take those decisions ad hoc when a conflict happens rather than finding the headspace to find the time every week on a separate basis to actually sit down and do the individual work so take the decision for yourself from a personal example we have a date for date placeholder in our calendar with my husband so again we have taken that decision for ourselves. Friday evenings is our time for each other when we try to not be parents but also uh, but just a couple and we do something for ourselves. So by default we have this arrangement with our babysitter that Friday evening we try to do something outside of home and she's taking care of our daughter. This is an, an example of automation. It's not that we have automated our dates, but we have automated the decision of taking this time actively for each other to nurture our marriage, to nurture our relationship with each other, so that not the whole life of ours is spinning around our daughter and potentially our work, because we are both are building our careers, we love what we do, and it's easy to just get lost into those those two things, work and our daughter. But we want to keep nurturing our relationship. So this is an example of automation on the personal level that can go into your calendar. Last example I'll give you here. No, actually, I'll give you two more. One more example from the personal life is meal subscriptions. If it's difficult for you to stick to healthy meals, get those packages when you get several recipes and all the ingredients for them once per week. There are so many of them in, in many countries nowadays. and We have been doing that for quite a, some time in Sweden when we lived there before Iceland. And um, it was a, really a game changer for us. For us, it was more about finding new ingredients and inspiration and try some new things. And um, it really served that purpose. But I know how busy a life can be with several kids, for example. And this is a beautiful way of nurturing your family with healthy foods without overwhelming yourself and taking a lot of mental headspace to come up with ideas of what should we eat together. So create those meals. uh, Subscribe for those meal packages for yourself and make your life easier. Get out of overwhelm with that. Last moment I, or last example I'll give you here is, no, actually that one goes better on the outsourcing. I'll give it there and explain why. All right. If we go to the delegation, if we talk about the work life, I want to emphasize whenever people hear about delegation, they think it's about them delegating to their team members. As in, if you're a manager, you can delegate to someone on your team a task. It's important for me to remind you that it can be done upwards in the organization as well, as in, you can delegate to your manager and also across the organization. If you're, for example, working on a project, you can delegate to someone else from a different department who is on the same project team. If you're not on the project, but you're in a more aligned organization and have some role within there, you can still delegate to someone who is in another part or another department of the organization. I think it's important for us to remember that because sometimes we just think a bit of narrow-mindedly about what delegation could mean. So this is an important part for me in the professional context. If we talk about the personal context, delegating something to your spouse is one of the ways of of doing it. Uh, If you, for example, are overwhelmed and your kid's birthday is coming or confirmation, like that now is the season of confirmations here in Iceland delegate someone or something to someone else in your family with preparation for that party and for example I had a a conversation about that with a mentee of mine last year when she was responsible for her aunt's birthday and uh, the menu planning landed on her because she is uh, eating mainly plant-based and that's the same for her aunt And she was really stressed. She had a lot of uh, work to do and assignments because she's also studying full-time on on top of owning two businesses. And uh, then she had this party to prepare with all the food for the whole big family gathering. So what I suggested to her is delegating to other team members or family members. And what I said, just because you are more knowledgeable about what the food could be, doesn't mean that you have to cook it. And this is another way of delegating. She did it. She asked different uh, family members to prepare some specific dishes. So yes, she has done the planning work of that, of uh, lining up all the recipes and uh, sending them to different people. But then she didn't have to implement the whole thing herself and cook for, I I don't remember how many there were, 20, 40 people. So this is another way of delegating. Think about how can you like make your life easier and remember what makes I- Ivy one of my guests on the show has uh, said about help if you don't ask for help or if you don't accept help from other people you're robbing them of the joy of helping you just put yourself in the shoes when when you're overwhelmed when you are stressed when you're depressed it's easy for us to just stay in the darkness alone but if we learn that our friend has been going through those challenges we quite often naturally almost get angry. Like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you ask for help? And so on. So think about it. That's the same that you do to the other people. Share the joy of helping each other. Delegate. This is one of the ways to do it. Third thing, outsourcing. Since not every one of you are self-employed, I will give again examples of professional life if you have the uh, authority and opportunity to outsource, but then also go into the home examples. So and that training that I mentioned that I did last week, there was one uh, lady who, uh, who is a creative and uh, she works f- for herself. And she said, "Well, my business is me. I there's not that much I can outsource because everything has to be done by me." And I said, "Does it?" And I gave an example of myself. The first coach that I started working with way before I started taking in any paying clients has given me a task to hire a VA in the first six months of the business. And I was like, "What's a VA?" And she was like, virtual assistant. And I was like, how am I supposed to hire someone to assist me when I don't even have clients yet? And she was like, do that. And that was a very good way of offloading myself and really focusing on the things that create value for me and my clients. So me as a company and my clients, instead of doing the things that I might not enjoy, might not be good at, and just skip because of those and procrastinate on them. So for example, some admin work, Maybe some design work. If you're not best at that, uh, accounting is a very good example of outsourcing. And I could see when we talked about that in the course how this lady's wheels were just spinning and she was like directly going through the mental checklist of the things she's doing and coming up with the ideas of what she could outsource to a person to offload herself so that she can take more creative projects with paying clients instead of doing a lot of admin work on her own. So if you're are working on your own, or even if you're an employee, but you have the authority of outsourcing something of your work tasks, do that. If we talk about the personal life, one of the best examples I know a lot of women love is home cleaning. And I'm with you. (laughs) Life-changing outsourcing activity. If you are not an absolute freak about cleaning. I, I have friends who are like that. They really enjoy it. And it's pure pleasure for them to make their home cleaner. I'm not a one of them. And at some point I would give my <laughs> arm to the elbow for someone who would come on a regular basis and, and clean. And the surprising thing that I know from some of my clients is when they take that step, they realized it doesn't cost as much as they thought. And it doesn't take as often to actually create a difference for mental workload, first and foremost. So look at that, if that is a thing that overwhelms you and creates stress in your life, the mess at home. Another notice here is something we discussed as well in the training last week, that if you have kids at home, just accept it's going to be messy. <laughs> Even if you have home cleaning in between, it's going to be messy. I shared with the participants that I just accepted that for the next 15 years, my home will be messy because I have a kid at home and then I'll have a teenager at home. And even if we try to create some structure, even if we have cleaning support and stuff like that, there will still be mess around. And I do not want to hook and define my success as a human, as a mom, as a partner by the cleanness of my home, because this is something that is not completely within my control so just a side note so blah, just a side note with the mindset shift there another example of outsourcing within the personal life is grocery shopping do that with the online deliveries of the groceries and there are so many services here where you can actually automatically create some shopping lists based on your previous purchases and then you can just add some more things and off you go you get the package delivered to your home Whoops, and a lot of workload uh, mentally is off and out of your head. The last example I want to give here is related to the kids. I see, as I said here, a lot of stress and pressure on the parents uh, with dropping off kids to their preschool, to school, to their activities outside, like extracurriculars. And I want to emphasize that, yes, this time can be quality time between us and our kids. But if we're stressed, it's not going to be quality time at all. So what I would recommend is explore who of the parents are doing similar routes. Maybe they're bringing their kids from the same neighborhood to the same school. Maybe their kids are also going to the same extracurricular activity and so on and so forth. And team up with them. Optimize so that they can bring or drop off your kids sometimes and you get to do it the other times. And believe me, this will not be a sign of you being a bad parent. Instead, you will offload yourself mentally to create that headspace to be a good present parent when you do spend time with your kids. It's really not about the quantity. It's not about you feeling like you're a headless chicken running around the city, being the private chauffeur to your, car, to your kids and hating their, all the activities that are in all different places of the town and so on and so forth. Outsource that part and feel more relaxed your kids will thank you for that I promise also if you have family members maybe you can create a schedule where once a week someone of the family picks up your kid from the school or preschool and brings them to their club and then bring them home to you and you have a dinner together if you have for example two pairs of parents the luxury that we don 't have with my husband here in Iceland but that if that for example is the case then For those parents of yours and grandparents of your kids, that will be once-a-month activity. I bet they can do that. And you get to spend some more quality time with each other when you could finish your work, come home, prepare dinner in peace while the kid is taken care of, and they get some bonding time with some other family member. And then you spend the dinner all together, having some conversations about how the day has been. Think about how that is much more quality of time spent together than just driving around being stressed that you haven't finished your work and then you need to do it when the kids go to bed and la 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 la. So let's go to the last part delete. This one is the toughest one. <laughs> when I look at my lists, I'll be honest with you, I'm always like, theoretically, I should be doing delete to this. And then something within me comes like, but, 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 but. And there are a lot of different arguments why I should not delete that activity. So be ruthless with it. Practice it. And the suggestion here is take it as an experiment. Just because you're deleting something doesn't mean that it has to be deleted forever. Decide that you delete it for a week, for example. And then after a week, you reevaluate how you can do that in a better way. But that way, we challenge ourselves and our patterns to make it easier for ourselves to remove the things that don't really serve us. Examples here are social media, for example. Right now, for the whole spring, I removed Instagram app from my phone. I have been on Instagram from my laptop uh, on less than a handful of occasions. When I needed to contact someone whom I only have contact via Instagram, then I would quickly do that and not go into any notifications or anything. Now I, for example, removed LinkedIn from the phone as well, because I noticed that I started using it like Instagram before, just to sit down and scroll aimlessly without really engaging and building relationships with people. So this is one of the recent examples of delete for me. Another example from my own life is junk food at home. I cannot have sweets at home. If someone brings me some sweets, I have to get rid of them as soon as possible. And by that, I don't mean I that I throw them away or give them away, they have to go through my system. (laughs) The things that I'm Ukrainian, we have gone through the starvation periods, it's in our genetics, uh, to respect food. I don't throw away food. I absolutely hate and despise doing that. So even if it's food that harms me in the moment or long term, I will go through it. And it's, it's coming to ridiculous levels, but that's how it is for me. I'm aware of that. And if possible, I ask people to not bring sweets sweets because I know that I will just go overboard trying to finish them as soon as possible so that they're out of of my home. So this is another example of deleting. I never buy sweets or barely ever. If we have some guests and I, I do it, but I try to buy the amount that will be over with guests and they're not left at my home. And if I do fancy some sweets, then I either need to go to a cafe or bake something and then it becomes a bit of a project. And that gives me a bit of a that's time to, for a sanity check, do I really need to do that or can I manage else uh, somehow otherwise? And if we do a work example of deleting, the mindset of firefighting is one of the powerful examples that we have worked on with my clients. When everything is an emergency, nothing gets done. And that is why it's important to get out of this mindset that everything is an emergency. So delete that mindset for yourself, that everything is an emergency or, or something is an emergency, and see what happens. So I've presented to you quite some examples, about three or four per each of them, for the actions of automating, delegating, outsourcing and deleting. And last thing I want to mention here is the rule of thumb of how to use them. And this one, I don't know whether he formulated it exactly like this, or I just combined it with the ADOD. But this one for me comes from Tim Ferriss and his four-hour work uh, week book, where he is teaching that you should never automate what can be deleted, and you should never delegate or outsource what can be automated. So first, when you look at your brain dump list, you need to delete things, because it doesn't make sense, again, to organize what is clutter. Right? So we first declutter. We delete purely what has to go. Next thing we, we should do is to never engage people where machines or systems can do it, because it's usually cheaper and more flawless. So after you have done delete run of your brain dump list, do the automate run of your brain list, brain dump list. And look where you can create systems, filters, subscriptions, and so on and so forth that can help you manage your overwhelm and stress. And once that has done, has been done, then you go into engaging other people by delegation and outsourcing and figure out what to do there. So I hope this gets your mind spinning. You're already having your notes up on the phone or pen and paper out and creating some ideas. I hope you have taken notes and will be using a DoD As I said, on a recurring basis, nothing wrong with that, or once uh, in a while when you feel like you need to get out of that extra overwhelm. So go clean up your life, declutter it, then it will be so much easier to organize. That will happen almost automatically, I guarantee to you. And in case you need to hear that today, I love you, I see you, I feel you, and I believe that you can have a decluttered an enjoyable life without stress and ROL. Go and do it. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others, and it is my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything.